We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. COVID apparently is going to be starting on Monday. What are you talking about, James? BCP, what are you talking about? COVID starts on Monday. Check out this breaking news. Breaking news we have right now. The White House just announcing that it will restart the program that sends free COVID tests to Americans who request them. That's right. It's a very significant move as health experts anticipate a potential new wave of coronavirus cases this fall. COVID has been a problem. Let's see, 2020, 2021, it was a problem. Last year, it seemed like uh, everything was fine. COVID was dead or whatever. Oh, it's an election season. Uh, that's right. We, we're going into primaries. So, Gabe, we're just learning about this. Um, I know we, we had to look far and wide to find COVID tests when I had it a few weeks ago. What do we know about this decision? What's prompting it? I just said what's prompting it. We got elections coming up. It's primary season. We've got Super Tuesday, everything, everything happening at the beginning of next year. So they've got a fear monger and find out who the sheep are this time around before the primaries. That's why. That's why the timing is at the very least suspect. Uh, hi there, Caden Sinclair. Well, we're just hearing about this just within the last few moments. And the White House, and clearly anticipating another winter surge of COVID, has just announced announcing that a website, uh, covidtest.gov, will begin taking orders uh, on Monday, and the households will be able to receive uh, up to four tests. Now, so the Democrats and the government will go, oh, okay, these are the people who we've been able to mind control so much they went to the website and gave us their address and they 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 put their hand up and said hey hey me i'm i'm a sheep send me a kit and i'm sure we shouldn't be surprised if we see all those people who order the kits somehow voting democrat either by their own volition or through i don't know uh early voter ballots that, that information has got to be useful to somebody to rig the next election. So go ahead, sheeple. Put your address down and let the government know that you are living in fear and you need that COVID tests. Oh, another reason why this is happening, of course, is because of all the graft and money that can be made by friends of Joe Biden, the Democrats, who will be selling and sending these kits at an inflated price to the U.S. government. Uh, the administration is also spending more than $600 million to buy tests from a dozen domestic manufacturers. Very expensive, though. The administration is spending hundreds of millions of dollars to purchase these tests from several manufacturers. I hope you invested in those companies doing that. 
they're going to make yet another fortune. Welcome to the BCP Podcast. I am James, the Black Conservative Patriot. Appreciate you being here. Yesterday was a travel day. My travel plans were delayed. Then I had an appointment uh, upon landing, and then that got behind. So we did not have an episode yesterday. Appreciate you folks being here. And as it would have it, I just got back to Utah, and I have to immediately go back to California uh, to take care of something very important. Perhaps I just should have stayed there uh, before coming, but such are life's circumstances. Big hug to all of y'all. All right, Libs of TikTok posted a leaked VA, Department of Vet- uh, Veterans Affairs training videos that instructs staff to confirm that men can get pregnant advises uh, them not to congratulate a pregnant woman and encourages and glorifies abortions. Uh, I, I, There are days like today, I don't believe that I'm actually living in a real world. This has got to be some sort of one ongoing parody, satire, Twilight Zone show, The Outer Limits, uh, what's uh, what's the new um, Black Mirror? This just can't be real. But unfortunately, it is. Person who is pregnant is more inclusive language. However, many of the studies that exist to date have not so far included trans men or non-gender binary people identified as such. When discussing abortion, Please use these examples of clinically accurate language. All right, so here are the words not to use and then the proper word. You can't use surgical abortion. You're supposed to use abortion procedure. You're not supposed to use chemical abortion. You're supposed to use medication abortion. You can't say baby or unborn child. You have to say embryo or fetus. You can't say fetal heartbeat. You have to say embryonic or fetal cardiac activity. You can't say elective abortion or abortion on demand. You just have to say abortion. Oh, they're not abortion providers. They're called clinician who provides abortion. I kid you not. You can't say abortion provider. You say clinician who provides abortion. You can't say womb. Got to say uterus. Can't say self-induced abortion. You have to say self-managed abortion. You can't say mother. You have to refer to them as veteran or person. And then you can't call it abortion counseling. You have to call it pregnancy options counseling. You got that? If you didn't, you're probably the type of person that doesn't let everyone know what your preferred pronouns are. There are many ways the VA can provide abortions, including on-site with providers, ordering prescription medications. A sizable number of women report that they're not emotionally or mentally prepared. In the immediate aftermath of seeking an abortion, those who were denied abortion compared to those who received it felt a lot more negative emotions, more regret, anxiety, and anger in particular. Yes, let's make sure that women can get their abortion because they're going to feel more regret, anger, anxiety, less relief uh, and happiness, higher stress, and lower self-esteem than women who decide to be mothers. What a sick, sick world. And by the way, this is the VA, so you're getting to fund, and so am I, all of this nonsense. 
because of high proportions of risk factors like mental health burden, military sexual trauma, intimate partner violence, racial inequity, endorsing more myths about abortion has been found to correlate with more difficulty in making a decision. You know they just had to bring race into it. Maybe people have a hard time making a decision. Women, not people. I sound like them now. Maybe women have a hard time making a decision about abortion because it's morally wrong. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And they've got moral qualms about murder. Maybe, just maybe, that's why. Okay, uh, Dan Bongino and Dinesh D'Souza have a new movie coming out uh, together and they just released the promo. We honor you, Father, for all that you Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. Really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. Police state. We can do anything we want. Exclusively in theaters, October 23rd and 25th. The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. Wow, that's pretty powerful, and it's terrifying at the same time. Tell our viewers about this film that you worked on with Dan Bongino. Well, it's a film that I, in a way, never wanted to make, in part because I never wanted America to get to a point where this kind of a film needed to be made. We've seen a lot of things happening in our country uh, that we take separately. Uh, News about mass surveillance and then digital censorship and then political targeting uh, and then political prisoners suddenly turning up in our country. Um, So uh, the attempt to establish kind of a one-party state And all of these are the signature elements of dictatorial regimes, of police states around the world. Now, I've been in this country almost 40 years. I'm so used to thinking of us as the free world, and then China or North Korea or Cuba or the old Soviet Union as the unfree world. But now I'm not so sure. And that's what this film does, is it raises a big question. Are we moving toward the very kind of police state that we're always warning people against around the world? I'm not a crying man, but I have gotten choked up and very emotional about where our country has gone in the last couple years. I lived for a few years in a post-communist country, and I saw the 
effects and the after effects and what happens when you have political prisoners, when you have one state media, when you have persecution of political opposition, jailing of political prisoners, censorship, all those things that are being championed and are happening to us. Why? Because right now, the losers are the victors. In other words, Donald Trump won in 2020, Carrie Lake won in 2022, and other people won respectively, but they were cheated. So the losers became the victors and they control the flow of information. And they're trying to change how history is perceived. Uh, very interesting. Let me show you this clip between Prime Minister Netanyahu and Elon Musk from the other day. Yeah, you know, I mean, the funny thing about, say, like Wikipedia is, you know, the, like there's an old saying, like, uh, history is written by the, by the victors. It's like, well, yes, but not if your enemies are still alive and have a lot of time on their hands to edit Wikipedia. <laughs> History is, written, <laughs> history is written by the people who can harness the most editors. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, whoever, the losers just got a lot of time on their hands. The losers have a lot of time on their hands and they can rewrite current history and rewrite past history. For, for, for instance, our history has been that you have to be a U.S. citizen to vote. Our, our history used to be also that if you cross illegally... You'd be stopped by La Migra and deported back and stopped and jailed, not just caught and released. So the schemes continue. Let's talk about one scheme in Southern California. See, what they're doing is they're trying to do all these little small things and test pilot them in blue places like California. Once again, another place trying to give the vote to illegal aliens. Lots of emotion. You know, it is one of the bedrock values of being a U.S. citizen, the right to vote. San Francisco clearing the way earlier, allowing its non-citizens to vote up there, but only in local school board elections. So now you have Santa Ana being pulled into the controversy and all the emotions it brings. It's emotional and controversial as city lawmakers in Santa Ana vote on whether to give a vote to non-citizens at the expense, some say, of the legal citizens themselves. Yes, it is frustrating when you're losing your rights as a citizen and you you fought hard to immigrate here and my father was in the Navy for over 22 years. No, I have to say something. She is saying something and so are many others, putting Santa Ana right in the middle of a growing controversy, being one of the first to declare itself a sanctuary city. Now it could be one of the first to allow non-citizens the right to vote. Okay, the justification that I've seen in the reporting this week in Santa Ana seems to focus on this idea that these people who are non-citizens so these are illegal aliens and also non-resident uh, aliens who are here on green cards, who are here legally, but they're not citizens, is that, well, they're paying taxes, so they should be allowed to vote. Our communities, our parents, our neighbors haven't been able to go back home, but they have been here making a life. They have built this community. They have made Santa Ana prosper. Supporters play the number game, claiming a fourth of those who live here now, about one in four, are not citizens yet. They work in the city and they pay taxes to the city. You know, every time we've expanded the right to vote, we focused on this idea that folks have a stake in our democracy, folks pay taxes, you know, the slogan, right? The revolutionary slogan, no taxation without representation. So it's the most American thing, really. No, the most American thing is rule of law. And you don't come in illegally. And you don't overstay your visa. And 
you go through the rightful process of becoming a legal immigrant and then a naturalized citizen. Law and order used to be the American way. Now everyone else is about just getting the line and then cutting the line and get to the front of the line. But many people have said, basta, that's it in Spanish. That's it. We're done. We've reached our limit. This is ridiculous. Well, the opponents say, basta, enough already. If we start allowing non-citizens to vote, even if they are here legally, we dilute the value of being an American citizen. We might as well put voting booths in foreign countries. Well, that Filipina lady or whatever she is, I can't see, or the, the Hispanic lady, she must be a racist. Okay, but that's not the only scheme uh, going on. Let's look at what we have going on here. Pennsylvania's Democratic governor has announced a switch to automatic voter registration. You don't have to uh, vote, uh, register to vote. It's done automatically. Isn't that just peachy keen? And doesn't that just fall in line with all the fake ballots and fake people? And doesn't it make it easier for Democrats to vote in perpetuity in the state of Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania, it is National Voter Registration Day. And today, I am proud to announce that for the first time ever, Pennsylvania is an automatic voter registration state. That's right, from now on, when you get or renew your driver's license or an ID card at the DMV, you'll be registered to vote unless you choose not to. I made a commitment when I was campaigning for this office that we would bring automatic voter registration in Pennsylvania. Of course, Democrats are gonna keep their promise when it comes to anything that will facilitate the one-party rule in America or in that particular state. I guess we're supposed to forget that Pennsylvania had issues, oh, less than a year ago with their voter, voter registration process during the midterms. I guess we're just supposed to forget all about that, aren't we? The midterms are less than a week away. Tonight, local election officials are working to process thousands of backlogged voter registration applications after an apparent computer glitch delayed the process. Virginia Department of Elections leaders say the applications of people who registered to vote at the Department of Motor Vehicles never made it into the state system. Registrars from across Hampton Roads tell Dana Smith they are now working quickly to get everything sorted out. A spokesperson for the Virginia Department of Elections says 149,000 voter registration applications never made it into the state's online system because of a computing error. Computing error. Nod, nod, wink, wink. Right before our eyes, folks, right before our eyes. So they steal election of 2020. They steal the election, uh, the midterm elections of 2022. And of course, the wrap-up smear job, the operation still continues with making it a thought crime to question the results of said elections and of course to villainize and make enemies of the country or and or political prisoners of this country anyone who protests against it and of course this was all planned we had quite a few interesting revelations and important revelations i shouldn't say revelations i should say, I should say confirmations on capitol hill uh, and we had this great one from uh, from former uh, Capitol Police Chief, Mr. Sund, who was with uh, previously, uh, we covered his talking to Tucker Carlson. And he talks about these three calls with Pelosi on January 6th. Three calls he had with, with uh, 
Pelosi on January 6th. Except Pelosi doesn't seem to remember ever having these conversations. Members of the committee and Congress are thankful for your prior service to the U.S. Capitol Police and your commitment to protecting members, staff, and visitors. My priority as chairman of the Committee on House Administration is to depoliticize Capitol Police. I'm committed to ensuring the U.S. Capitol Police has the tools, resources, and leadership it needs to keep our community safe. I also remain committed to supporting our law enforcement officers and the work they do each day. Today we're here to discuss the security failures that occurred on January 6, 2021, and how we can prevent these failures from occurring again. I want to dive into the questions, uh, Chief Sun. In your transcribed interview, you mentioned that you met with the House Sergeant-at-Arms regarding the National Guard prior to January 6th. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And who is the House Sergeant-at-Arms uh, leading up to and on January 6th? Uh, that would be Paul Irving. And the, the House Sergeant-at-Arms is appointed by who? Is appointed uh, that, at that time by Speaker Pelosi. And in your transcribed interview, you mentioned that when you first brought up the National Guard to the House Sergeant-at-Arms in the days leading up to January 6th, uh, that Mr. Irving said he, quote, didn't like the optics, end quote. Is, is that correct? That, that is correct. He, uh, he referenced being concerned for optics. And on January 6th, when you went to Mr. Irving to get his approval to call in the Guard, Mr. Irving said he would, quote, run it up the chain. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. That was a telephone call. I didn't see him in person when I first made that request. The House Sergeant-at-Arms is considered probably the most senior security official on the House side. Uh, when Mr. Irving says yes to, quote, run it up the chain, end quote, what did that mean? Uh, I took that to mean his leadership chain. In, in who would be his leadership chain? It would if be he's, he's, he's functionally the most senior uh, security official on the House side, correct? That's his, that's his title. That's part of the title, the senior uh, law enforcement official for the House of Representatives. But he would have been referring to the leadership team that goes up to uh, Speaker Pelosi. So the, the political leadership team, meaning, meaning elected officials, not, not another security official, is that your that, that is correct, sir. He's the top security official for the House. So running up the chain would most likely, in, or in your opinion, is, is through the Speaker's office and possibly to Speaker Pelosi? That would be where it ends, yes. All right, so they're establishing in this hearing that, in fact, Nancy Pelosi is the political leader that would have, for some odd reason, had some input into the optics of the security of the Capitol on January 6th. Now, let's get into the part where, surprise, surprise, Nancy Pelosi lies. But what I love about uh, Captain Sund is documentation beats conversation and he has the receipts. Okay, so so let, let's park that there and then let's jump to a, a second set here. Um, in a press conference on January 7th, Speaker Pelosi called for your resignation on national television. Speaker Pelosi also stated that she had not talked to you since the initial breach of the Capitol. But according to your transcribed interview, you were on the phone with Speaker Pelosi a few times. Uh, can you explain that discrepancy? Yeah, that is, uh, that, that is correct. I, I spoke to Speaker Pelosi um, three times uh, that, that evening. And uh, she went on national TV and said I'd never spoken to her. But I spoke to her three times. Um, the three, uh, three times were the first time when I went over to brief uh, President, uh, Vice President Pence at the secure location. Um, I had called uh, um, House Sergeant Arms Irving, told him I was going over to brief the uh, Vice President. I was also going over to do a personal assessment of the Capitol. At that point, things were getting under control. Uh, went over there, briefed him on when we can get them back into chambers with you know, uh, Mr. Irving being fully aware. 
Uh, he said he wanted to get Speaker Pelosi on the phone. He made a phone call from his cell phone at approximately 534, uh, where I first briefed Speaker Pelosi. Ooh, times and dates and witnesses. I'm sure they could subpoena those phone records from AT&T or Verizon or, or whoever else, T-Mobile. But I'm sure they won't be able to find it because of some computer glitch. So that's the first one. But what really helps make a case is when you have multiple lines or multiple pieces of evidence against the lie for instance, th these lies of Nancy Pelosi that she never spoke to Captain Sund and that he should be dismissed forthwith. Yeah, that didn't happen, Nancy. Just like your husband uh, wasn't a victim of a break-in, he was having hammer time with uh, one of his boy toys. Oh yeah, I guess we're supposed to forget all about that. Well, BCP hasn't forgotten about that. Uh, the second call was when I left that location as I was walking away, I met up with Mr. Stinger, and we started walking over to the Senate to go brief the Senate. When uh, Jennifer Hemingway, I believe it was Jennifer Hemingway, handed me the cell phone, and it was Emily Barrett's cell phone calling her, and it was Speaker Pelosi on the other line. This is my call, second call with Speaker Pelosi, questioning the information I'd given to uh, Vice President Pence about when we can get back into chambers. I assured her that information was correct. I could get them back into chambers by 7, uh, 7 p.m., and the call ended. That was call number two. Call number three was 6.25 p.m. I was over at the Senate uh, from the secure location, I mean, from where the Senate had been sequestered, uh, and on a uh, cell phone using Robert Karam's cell phone, they dialed leadership, who was over off-site at a secure location, and I briefed all of the leadership of the plans to get them back into chambers. That would have been call number three with Speaker Pelosi. So you didn't have one call, you didn't have two calls, you had three calls. So Speaker Pelosi's comments that she didn't speak to you are inaccurate. That is correct, sir. I've always found it curious how they call the inaccuracies, the incorrect statements, they always try to downplay them. You know, they're being disingenuous. No, they're lying. These are children of Satan, the father of lies. They're caught again and again lying, and they get away with it, and they continue to lie because there are no consequences. And that's the big problem here. No consequences for the myriad crimes against American people, against our electoral college system against our constitutional freedoms and our God-given liberties guaranteed by the highest law of the land. Everything is defecated on. Everything is circumvented or ignored. And that's our state as a United States currently. I'll be back tomorrow with more news. We're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.